This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. He's Sean Shapiro of Shap Shots and also EP Rinkside. And, you know, a couple other nuggets uh that i plucked from the game the other night um i thought edmonton especially early was extremely physical they came out with strong legs and they were aggressive and they really wanted uh front of the net presence uh and that was something that um i think i don't want to say took the stars by surprise but it was just you know causing a little havoc in front of the net uh i thought the stage wasn't too big for wyatt johnston and I thought that was awesome to see a terrific breakout pass from Marchment and they continue to gel as a line. And uh, hopefully that line stays together. It was great to see Sagan get on the board with that tip. So I think there were some real good things. Like I said, just some, just some third period lapses and that's going to happen uh, uh, throughout the season. But uh, you know, let's get, let's get into Wyatt Johnson a little more. We talked about him on Friday and, and just boy, that quick wrist shot and uh, just, just the way he's playing. And I don't, I don't think there's a stage too big for this uh, young gent, Sean. No, he's been, I mean, he's continued to be just to impress us and find ways to make himself such an important part of this team and everything like that. And I I think you're, you're seeing it's, I mean, I know a lot gets made and you've heard that and people may even be sick of hearing like, Oh, he's living with Pavelski and everything like that. I, I, that really just kind of having that experience of how of learning how Joe Pavelski's handling the ups and downs of the season and how he approaches every game, how, Joe Pavelski dub like I mean as silly as this sounds like how Joe Pavelski his sleeping habits how Joe Pavelski makes coffee in the morning just as, as silly as it sounds the, all the little things that going to be into be to being a pro like that is contributing to Johnston's success this season he's learning all of those things that you uh you typically don't get a veteran player willing to open up their kind of database basically their brain for yeah. the way Pavelski is for him like on a day-to-day basis like I'm not saying like you see it at the rink a lot you'll be like oh like an older player will be like oh hey I'm gonna help this young guy with this or talk to this guy on the road or, but it's a whole another level to take a guy in and let him live with you and your family joe pelsky's got a has, has a son of himself has his son has a son himself and his, his wife and everything and so it's a whole nother thing to take that on and kind of basically give 
Wyatt Johnston kind of like the leg up to figure out a lot of this institutional how to be an NHL or knowledge that some guys are forced to learn through trial and error. And I'm not saying like you want Johnston to learn through trial and error, but it's also good to learn which mistakes to avoid even before you ever make them. So it's, it's, it's been great. Now, Sean, you're, you're a big hockey history buff. Can Mm -hmm. you remember how far this goes back? Because no other sport does this that consistently. And I have so many questions for Wyatt Johnston. Does he pay rent? Does he do dishes? (laughs) Like I I know here in Massachusetts, they have the Cape Cod baseball league and you live with families and you have to get a job and you have to do chores around the house. And it's part of, you know, that, that building. And it would, you know, I'm just so fascinated by this process. I remember, I think Crosby lived with Lemieux when he first came into the league. He did. He lived in uh, for the, I believe it was the whole first season. I think he lived with, he lived with Lemieux. He lived with Lemieux, uh, I believe Lemieux had like an apartment, like basement or whatever that like that, that that Crosby was living with was living in. So they were kind of under the same roof, but also not. Uh, uh, they were under the same roof, but not also nearly as like. Uh, there's a little bit more independence with Crosby, but essentially it was the same thing. Uh, now, one difference is Mario Lemieux also owned the team, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is which is also a little bit different as, as well. But there is uh yes, definitely some similarities there. You see it. Um it also comes down to um at the end of the day, it also comes down to the player's comfort level too, right? Like, um what is Johnston comfortable with doing? Like some guys don't want to be the like this is this if if why Johnston wanted to live by himself, I mean, he's making enough money to go find an apartment in Dallas. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like like it's so part of it also comes down to what the young guy wants to do. And and some guys don't want I'm, there's if a guy's got a girlfriend or something like that, like, okay, well, I don't need to live with another family or whatever. Like it's there's certain elements that come into play. Um, but I think one of the reasons we see this a little bit more on the NHL side of things sometimes is, um, part, I think there's just such a, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty as far as for, there's a lot of uncertainty with where guys will end up if in, at Johnson's stage, because like, remember going into training camp, like we all were like, Oh, is Johnson going to make the team? But could if he doesn't make the team is he going to go back to Windsor is he going to do what what is he going to do and the same thing went with you talk about like a Maverick Bork is playing down in Texas where could he have been on the team and I I think it's with kind of the up and down nature of the NHL and with the more kind of like with them not playing every single day. I think that's why you kind of get a little bit more of this. Like it's something where I don't think you need it. If any of you can correct me, if you think I'm wrong on this Gavin, but I think you, I don't think you would need this in baseball because you're in, you know, baseball schedule, they're at the ballpark every single day. There's a game every single day. Like a baseball player doesn't really like a baseball player's house is really just where he sleeps during the season. Just like that's where hockey is obviously a little bit different where you got practice at noon and then you got the rest of the day and all that stuff. So I think there's a little bit more of a natural need for it in the NHL. And there's also a little bit of that kind of that natural economic factor of it where 
entry level rookie salaries are higher in some of the other sports too. So it's easier for guys. It's easier for guys to go and like, just buy a house right away. And I'm not saying Gavin, I'm sorry, why Johnson doesn't make enough to buy a house. I'm just talking about when, when you're, when your paycheck has that many zeros behind it, it's easy to make the decision to just buy a house now or buy a place now. And NHL guys, I think are a little bit more conservative about when they, uh, when they, when they decide to make that plunge. Like I remember Essa Lindell telling me, like Essa didn't buy a house in Dallas until after he signed his big contract. And clearly he could have bought one earlier and, and done all that stuff, but it was just kind of one of those things. Like it, 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 it kind of happens that way. Yeah. Interesting. In your conversations with Maverick Bork, has the Wyatt Johnson acceleration motivated? Not that he didn't need it, but I mean, mm -hmm. you know, is Maverick looking at that? Like, okay my time's coming quick. Like I'm going to push myself even harder. Did you guys talk about that at all? Yeah, we didn't talk as much about Wyatt. We talked, I, I did talk to Maverick a little bit um, about kind of the long-term, not even long-term, but just like the, the projection of where space is in Dallas and how things are going. And, and he sees a lot of um, potential and hope that his time can kind of be obviously the hope is always that the call comes today and your time is tomorrow, but he, he sees a lot of hope and with what they're the opportunities Johnson has been giving and the opportunities that, that Miro got a couple of years ago and everything like that. Um, he is encouraged by the fact that he will be able to win that spot sooner than later. And that's, that's a good thing. Now, I'm not going to, that's, that's about as much as I can say about it, because to be, to be true, to be fair to Maverick, we had a Maverick's first language is still French. And so Maverick and I, our conversation was a little bit more back and forth. So I don't want to put too many words in his mouth, but from our conversation, from talking to other guys that know him around Texas, it's definitely, they're seeing that the stars are giving the young guys their opportunity if they earn it. And that's going a long way. And that's something you want as a franchise. Interesting. You're listening to Spits and Suds. Thanks for listening to this holiday edition. Before we move on to Montreal, um, wanted to get your opinion, Sean, on the network TV late start. I mean, kudos to Stars fans. Mm -hmm. You guys filled the barn. Um, that was impressive. Um, but the reality is it's a, it's a Wednesday night and um, the New Jersey game ran late. New Jersey, Florida went into overtime. So your puck drop was about 8.55. Um, and that is very late. I, you know, I mean, we were heading toward the midnight hour as that Stars game ended. So I know, you know, I'd see on Twitter over the years, why don't the Stars get more network games with this new package? You know, it, it does allow, you know, more teams to be seen. Um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, and I know Dallas Mavericks fans have faced this lately too. That's a tough start time. Yeah. It, it's kind of the, it's the, the damned if you do damned, if you don't stuff yep. about network TV, because like you always hear people be like, Oh, why, why don't they get more network TV games or why don't they get more national TV games? And then the minute they do, you often get signed of like the whole, like, well, Hey, I want my broadcaster. Like it's, it's kind of becomes an almost just feels like a no win sometimes because you get people looking at it both ways um i the one thing i would do if i were an nhl team is like i think you don't you you want to be in that showcase you want to be in the games that like like you want like i don't like that i think you kind of accept the necessary evil of the nine o'clock game 
But I think teams should be more proactive in finding the balance out for that elsewhere on the schedule. And what I mean by this is, okay, you're playing a nine o'clock game on, on a, on a Wednesday around the holiday season, that kind of sucks, but you know what you go to the league and you're like, Hey, let's get, let's get it. Let's get the two o'clock Saturday game. Let's get like, I just kind of find like the little give and take where you use that to try to get some more of those games where it's like, okay, we're pretty much kind of boxing out and making it almost impossible for most families to come with a nine o'clock start. So let's try to find an alternative. Let's find Let's try to make one on the schedule where it's like, okay, let's make sure, Hey, next time we let's, let's try to get a Saturday two o'clock game or whatever, where you can get more kids into the building, more families into the building. Like it's kind of the, the give and take of it. Um, I would, uh, the one for me about it is just the consistency of it. It's like, it, if it happens every once in a while, that's, that's okay. But you just don't want to get stuck in that, in that role all the time where like, like, I think if I'm, if I'm Brad Alberts, stars team president, I'm talking to the NHL and Turner about this one. I'm like, Hey guys, we want to be part of your showcase. We want to do this, but we're not just going to be easily pushed into, Oh, you can be on national TV because you can play the late game. We don't want to be that. No, we're good enough where we can, we're going to push back. Like, okay, in the future, we'll play earlier. We can play, you can start. Like, I I know, I know you'd have to get a little bit pushed to get people out there, but like, Hey, we can play the earlier game on national TV. So I, I think it's understanding where you are accepting the reality of it, but then also not sitting back and taking it on the back end too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So now we look ahead to tonight. Montreal comes to town. Uh, back-to-back Canadian teams. We have an original six, and uh, the Canadians playing pretty well right now. Um, getting points in their last two games at Arizona, at Colorado. Um, recent call-up, Anthony Richard, um, getting his first NHL goal, and he's impressed early. Um, kind of cool, uh, seeing him get called up was drafted back in 2015. Um, but just the highlights I've seen great speed. And then we got to talk about the stars, Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki. Um, they have some great pieces, uh, currently 500, 15 and 15, um, tough division they play in, but at the same time, I think Martin St. Louis done a nice job there. And it's they have some interesting uh, building blocks. Jake Allen's played well on this trip. So it's going to be a little test for the Stars tonight. Yeah, it's an interesting team because Montreal is kind of in that space where with that Eastern Conference, I, I just I still see them at least a year, maybe two from being a real playoff team. But at the same time, you talk about Suzuki, you talk about Caulfield, you talk about a lot of the young guys they're building around. And I don't know, this is, this is, this is going to be the, the interesting long-term effect of the, for the Canadians, I think is I'm not sold 
on I don't I'm not sold on Marty St. Louis right now as a head coach. And I want I want to, I want to put a caveat an asterisk on this. Like yeah, I'm not please. saying he's not doing I'm not saying he's not doing a good job. I think the job he has right now is to help Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, guys who are kind of similar to him, take their game to the next level and develop them so when Montreal is a contender in a year or two, they're ready to just take things over to an even further level. Like, and I think he's I think St. Louis is the perfect guy to help uh, help that level of player to help develop, help the individual guys take the next step. I still, for me, the jury is still out of whether this is the right decision for a head coach, because there's a difference between helping young guys take the next step, being a former player that understands the dynamics of the game and being able to manage an entire group and get an entire group up above take take a group to the next level and i still need to see more from st louis personally before i can feel confident that he's that guy i i actually think what montreal did in hiring him was perfect because with the expectation of we don't know if we're going to compete for we don't we're probably not really in a spot where we can compete for a year or two like they get a chance to kind of figure that out and i think st louis knows that he is kind of on that not borrowed time but he's kind of like in that like test phase like like he's he's a guy who's a head coach but it also feels like it's an interim tag for the long-term title like is he just a guy who can develop individual talent or can he take an entire team to the next level and i don't know the answer to that but when you're in montreal and the fact you're trusting him to do that they're at least putting all the tools in there to best find the answer out to that so it, it, it's one of the more interesting coaching situations, just because so many times you hear like, it's like, oh, this guy is, this guy has no experience and or doesn't have any head coaching experience prior or something like that. You hear a lot of things like that. And th- these guys don't get the, the chance to, for us to figure out what they actually are right or wrong. And I think he's going to get us, give us that chance. Um, so we can, we can at this time next year, two years from now, and we're seeing if St. Louis is a great coach, that's great. He'll have proven that he can be more than just a individual talent developer. But right now I need to see more. True. I wonder also uh, Laval, you know, he's a Laval Quebec native. Yeah. Um, You know, the bilingual, for those that don't know, the history of the Montreal Canadiens, the coaches are bilingual. They speak both French and English. That kind of limits your choices. It does. I think there's been one, uh, I think there's been one non non uh only one Canadians coach in franchise history that didn't speak French, I believe. If I I'm gonna look this up really uh while we do that. And he didn't last very long. Um it was uh it's it's something where as part of yeah, it was uh Randy Cunningworth. Um and he uh he was Randy Cunningworth was 2011. He was the interim coach and it just, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't go, it didn't go well. The whole, the owner, the owner of the Canadians, they, they, they literally had to issue a statement about why they hired someone who couldn't speak French. And Here we go. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, it's, I mean, the same thing happened when, uh, when Suzuki was named the captain there, Suzuki doesn't speak a lot of French. He knows a little bit. And it was the whole, there was, there was columns in the Montreal papers. Can Canadians have a captain that doesn't speak French? It's, it's a dynamic, um, 
it's a dynamic in Montreal where it would be like if uh, the best comparison would be like if uh, if there was a ling- if Texas spoke a different language, right? And yep. all of a and all of a sudden the and and the the rule became okay. The only only Cowboys coach could be someone who is from Texas. And obviously there's, there's a lot of great candidates that would come from that pool. But when you're limiting your pool of, of candidates too, they must have this one certain background or they must have this one certain thing. You're cutting yourself short on, on, on what, what you can do. Um, so the whole, there's always that, that debate is always going to rage on in Montreal. That's a debate where 30, 40 years from now, there will be debates of, well, could you have a, should Montreal's, uh, GM and coach uh, be francophone, and that's uh, it's it's one of the reasons they have so many Stanley Cup banners. Frankly, because there was or in the early in in the early days of the NHL uh, up and, and everything like that, they got so many of those great Quebec players and everything like that. And it's the reason they have such a great history. But it's also that history, I think. Frankly, also can hold them back a bit too yeah. because that's the game is has evolved it would be uh i mean how many uh how many if you if you had told the how how many uh american hockey teams would you be like oh well you can only hire an american head coach like i will no that that doesn't mean i can hire i mean an american head coach might be the best candidate but what if he's not like yeah like it's 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 limiting your prospects pool so yeah and for those wondering that means uh craig ludwig is a future candidate he speaks <laughs> very bad French, but <laughs> but he did win a cup in Montreal. Well, so. it, it's 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 funny. One of the things, like you think about this, because like I've I've talked before about how uh, I think Texas Stars assistant GM Scott White, like I feel like his name should be on those lists sometimes for a future NHL GM job with what he's built in Texas. And Scott White is um is is from Quebec actually. He's uh, he talking to him you wouldn't even realize it he spoke mostly english but he speaks french and so i like i've like when montreal was in the spot of they were hiring a new gm and everything like that i was like well what about scott white he's someone who's bilingual and could do that job but he i had to double check like i texted someone just to confirm like he is bilingual right the fact that's the caveat you have to look up first is uh it's it can be uh can be an issue (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no doubt i was actually um i was looking i was just looking at the blue jacket staff because uh one of the uh guys that i really like is pascal vincent Mm -hmm. so i've always liked him i liked him when he coached manitoba um i actually thought he should be a head coaching candidate i know he got a few interviews but no no like deep looks um and now he's the assistant coach uh, i thought you know i thought for some i thought he was gonna you know take over in winnipeg uh eventually but i know he was on their candidate list and when i would talk to people in winnipeg they say that he was uh you know he, they didn't want him to leave the organization so he eventually he eventually did so maybe that's a a future uh montreal coach maybe Dude, yeah, see but, it. like yeah, you know, it's. I think for right now, I think we're gonna see St. Louis this season and next, and yeah, we'll kind of see where it goes goes from there. So, right now, it's kind of a bit of a it's kind of a built in honeymoon phase on it too, though. Like it's always gonna be, um, as right now, 
there's not the expectation to compete. Once yeah. that uh, once that happens, things change quickly in that market. So if you're taking a date to the Stars game tonight at the AAC, you can lean over to her and say, do you realize that the Montreal Canadiens head coach has to be bilingual and you will sound like a smart person in the barn tonight? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. just those little nuggets you get on spits and suds. 